Hi, it's Tracy, your host for the Sexy Aging podcast, and this is the episode before Christmas. I had the privilege of interviewing Bex McCulloch, aka Menopause BFF, and you'd think that listening into this episode that we actually were friends. Well, we are now. I believe that every woman in person going through menopause needs someone they can share their challenges with. In this episode, Bex and I share all. Bex is 46 and had perimenopause symptoms for seven years without knowing what they were. She just suffered. I want to highlight at this point that Bex was 39 at the time of starting menopause. I often hear from women, I'm too young to be in menopause and believe me, I thought that applied to me too. When you speak to someone whose symptoms start in their late 30s, it's a bloody wake-up call. Bex is a trained and practicing physiotherapist and accredited menopause support coach and helps other women going through perimenopause with her knowledge, skills and lived experience. Welcoming to the Sexy Aging Podcast today, I have Bex McCulloch, and um, she is the menopause BFF, and anyone with that Instagram handle is a BFF to me, plus we're both in perimenopause. Cheers to that. So I'm in New Zealand, finishing off my glass of light Sauvignon Blanc <laughs> with heaps of ice. I'm such a lightweight. Down and done by 7pm, ladies. I am at 7pm. I am about to take my last sip. Here we go. Mm. Done. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. And um, it's what, 6am in the UK? Yes, 6am in the UK. Yeah. And so what, you're not drinking wine, obviously. <laughs> no, I, I've already had a coffee. I've run out of coffee. I need to get some more beans. I have a chamomile tea, Tracy. <laughs> oh, oh, you're stepping it up, Bex. <laughs> I am. I am. <laughs> yeah. Um, often women ask me about coffee, you know, like when we talk about and we've got actually so much to talk about and we have absolutely no agenda. So um, when women ask me about, you know, drinking coffee and menopause and you tell them all the things that, you know, there's a list of things that you should probably discontinue. <laughs> uh, when they say, you know, oh, I've been told that I shouldn't be drinking coffee. I'm like, um, I am going to ignore that one because coffee is life. Um too down <laughs> yeah absolutely too down and done before 12 o'clock that you won't that won't keep you awake that'll be fine absolutely and yeah. I think do you know what my philosophy on it is Tracy first of all can I say a huge thank you oh we've got we've got a cat in the uh in the room now um can I say a huge thank you first of all for asking me um on this podcast I'm so honored and grateful that you asked me back to coffee though my philosophy on it <laughs> is I love coffee coffee is one of my simple pleasures in life every morning when I get up I have a very extra coffee machine which I love it grinds the beans you have to do it like a proper barista you get that amazing aroma as the coffee comes through that's one of my life's simple pleasures when you are in any stage in life particularly perimenopause <laughs> you do not want to strip things out of life that bring you joy and that, that, that's, that's my take on it. If yeah. you have coffee in your life and you absolutely love a coffee, it brings you joy. Do not cut that out of your life because you're essentially cutting joy out of your life. Yeah. And no. we need, we need to bring those simple things into life, don't we? And absolutely. That, that, to me, it has far more benefits for you than people say that you should cut coffee out in perimenopausal years. 
oh look i'm with you and that's why you're my new bff um you know <laughs> got the same thing i've got the great coffee grinder it's it sort of hits all the senses right so it's the sound Absolutely. it's the smell it's the taste it's the it's the holding the cup it's the sitting down in the morning when everyone else is asleep it's like all the things that brings that joy yes. and then being able to you know write in your journal or think about being grateful i mean it just kind of pulls it all together and drinking coffee just pulls it all together yeah absolutely and why would you want to remove that <laughs> i know i know the thing that i have been thinking a lot about bex is like should i stop drinking alcohol and like i'm not a huge drinker like i have maybe two or three glasses of light sauvignon blanc per week one sort of on a wednesday which is now and then maybe in the weekend it just depends if something's happening and you know i've been listening to a, a few other ladies sort of saying that you know since they completely stopped alcohol their symptoms have really improved a lot and i feel like yeah in theory and scientifically i guess i know that's true but it's once again mm -hmm. coming to one of those things of i there's a level of joy that that brings me and i live in one of the best wine producing countries in the world <laughs> like it's like <laughs> it's so cheap and so good and i move back here i have to enjoy this <laughs> yeah and, and yep. i guess i guess that's that's just almost the same as coffee as well isn't it i think you could probably argue yes this these are the reasons why you should maybe not drink and I think what I would say is I think it comes down to very personal experiences. I personally don't drink very much now, but that's more because it's I just feel awful the next yeah. day. So yeah. I, I tend not to drink, but I don't not not drink, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if I'm going out with friends, I will absolutely have drinks. Mm. Absolutely. Because I think, as you said, it's it's what brings you joy. It's you know, it's 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 nice to have a couple of glasses of wine or whatever it is. But I think you've got to make your own personal decision. And I think again, alcohol affects people in very different ways in their perimenopausal years. And yes, you know, if it's making you have hot flushes or you're feeling really anxious when you're drinking alcohol yes that's maybe an instance where you maybe want to look at what you are drinking but i think if like you you know you're having a few glasses a week you're doing it because you've got a lovely glass of wine that you genuinely enjoy drinking again why would you why would you stop doing that if it's not having a negative impact on you again that that's my take on it i would think if it's not causing you any harm if it's not impacting you negatively you shouldn't give something up because someone says that you should give something up just because that's the thing that you should do in your perimenopausal years. Yeah. Bex, I didn't say that I, that it doesn't affect me. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't get the sore stomach. I don't get the headaches. I don't get any sort of negative physical symptoms in that way, but I get skin issues and it has a lot to do with kind of sugar and alcohol so i figured out that those two things are going to cause little flare-ups of dry skin around the side of my face yep. here and here and you know i do i look after my skin i go and get my little facials and what have you but it always flares up if i you know have a, have a couple of drinks so if it's more than two if it's like if i go out for dinner and it's a celebration and i have you know a couple of glasses of yep. champagne guaranteed the next day i look like i've been sunbathing you know hardcore sunbathing <laughs> So yeah, it does actually affect me. And it's like, well, you know, the more time you spend on camera, I, I don't know, my vein, you know, we are having a 
girlfriend to girlfriend talk here so there's like nothing off the table yeah i'm a little bit vain <laughs> i don't want i don't want those red splotches on my face so i'm getting closer to sort of dialing it down like really yeah. thinking about okay maybe i'm just going to cut out the incidental drinking and just do it mm -hmm. on the celebrations and yeah yeah but but i guess i guess what that comes down to tracy is that comes down to awareness isn't it it comes yeah. down to how it impacts you as an individual balancing up with the symptoms that you're getting and that reaction to your skin but yeah. then you're still taking proactive steps to mitigate that aren't you so you know what your limits are you know that if you have more than x number of glasses that's going to cause that flare-up and even for example like looking at the the quality of what you're drinking as well so you probably obviously you're drinking a, a nice high quality wine that's going to probably minimize those impacts whereas if you're just getting your cheap obviously you guys are in New, New Zealand if you're getting your cheap three dollar bottle of wine from the supermarket and glugging it down that's not going to have the most the most <laughs> desirable impact on you so again yeah. I think it all comes down to what's right for you as an individual isn't it and you know yeah. You can you could have 10 people lined up, all of which drink exactly the same amount, exactly the same type of wine, and every single person will probably have a slightly different reaction. And I think it's doing what is right for you. And that to me is like the golden rule when you are on this journey. You have to treat you as an individual and you have to treat your journey as an individual journey. Yeah. Oh, I love what you're saying, Bex. Hey, look, I want to dial back and actually find out about you. <laughs> So, <laughs> and then we're yeah. just talking about wine and coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's awesome. I, I totally, we're totally off script. And I, I mentioned that before. I've never done that before. I've always come into the interviews with a list of questions and curiosity that I have around um, different parts of menopause, women's health, and longevity. So we're both in perimenopause, um, but just tell me a little bit about yourself. So, you know, where are you and, you know, your journey through menopause? And I think that you've probably had a bit of a challenge with it and your and then the enlightenment. Yeah. So share that story. That will be awesome yeah. for our listeners. Yeah. Um, so I am based in Scotland, in the UK, in Glasgow. I am not Glaswegian. I met my husband on a snowboarding holiday um, almost 20 years ago. So this is how I ended up in Scotland. Um, so. I am, I have to think how old, I'm 46 just now, and I was only actually, I guess, officially diagnosed with perimenopause last year, so when I was 44, but when I look back in my symptoms, I've been having really noticeable symptoms since the birth of my, my second wee boy, who is now nine. So, so is mine. Yeah. <laughs> my son is nine, and like, I'm just jumping in, and I agree that from going from postpartum to perimenopause there's a kind of gray area i believe yes. now when i look back on it Absol that you absolutely. don't get back to normal nothing goes back to no. normal when you have a baby <laughs> in your 40s or late 30s no, right? and i think yeah and i think that that for me was the difficulty chasing you'll, you'll probably really resonate with this so after i um after i had monty it's it's that blur you know you're you've just had a baby your hormones are all over the place anyway you attribute it to like postnatal hormone rebalancing don't you mm. and I remember going to the doctor very specifically I think Monty was maybe about one so I'll be maybe about 38 at this stage and I went to the doctor and I said I was talking about my um 
my sort of premenstrual um, problems. And I said, I actually feel like for a couple of days before my period, I said, I feel like I could physically kill someone. I said, it's not just like a little bit of rage. I said, I feel like I could actually harm somebody. And the doctor sort of has that sort of like panic look, <laughs> like, oh my God. And and I got I got offered antidepressants at that stage. Yeah. I wasn't depressed in any way, but I was I needed something to help me. I knew that I couldn't carry on like this. So I actually accepted those from the doctor. And for a period of time, they absolutely did help. My dose had to be upped on them. But I think gradually, and I think this is where perimenopause really trips us up, is it's not suddenly one day that you wake up and this light switch goes on. It's like, you have perimenopause. And like, yes, do this, do this. It's these really gradual symptoms that really creep in. And it's things like you're suddenly starting to feel more tired. But who doesn't feel tired when they're juggling work and they're juggling the family and they've got young kids? It's so easy to attribute that you start feeling more anxious. But again, of course, you're feeling anxious. You know, you're a mum, you've got work, you've got home life. You're not sleeping, but you're not sleeping because you're anxious, because you're worrying about all these <laughs> things that you need to do. And it's like, it all feeds into each other, doesn't it? And yeah. so it's, I think, I think the symptoms that, that I presented with, it was really easy to attribute to something else. Like I was having a lot of stress at work. I found that I was very irrational with things, but I attributed that to the stress and the fact that I wasn't sleeping and I was feeling tired. And you just keep going round in this cycle, don't you? But yeah, I think that's, for that's me, the, my exact example yeah. as well. Exactly the yeah. same for years, actually. Absolutely. I would I would put it down yep. to about two years of that before I sort of felt yeah. like if, and other symptoms started coming up and it made me go, okay, hell, what the heck? <laughs> you yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and I was, I think I must have been, mine was about six or seven years. Now, I think, and I think the difficulty for me is we had a lot of, um, we had a lot of problems conceiving our two boys. I didn't have IVF treatment, but we did have treatment to help us, um, to help us conceive and help us sustain the pregnancies. And before even my first son was born so I may be like about 31 at this time 32 I had a test that said that I had a really low ovarian egg count and my anti anti-malarian hormone level was really low for my age now all of this should be a little bit of a red flag to your GP when you're going back to your doctor to discuss these things and it's like I think sometimes this is a huge problem is that sometimes the pieces of the jigsaw just aren't put together you're treated yep. for one thing and you're treated for another thing so again I had really um bad heart palpitations again before I I think actually before I even had my second boy I was referred to a cardiologist I wore an ECG tracker for a few days I had an echocardiogram the, yes, it showed there was a, a slight maybe congenital abnormality there, but they didn't think that was causing my palpitation. So, you know, I'd had fertility problems. I'd been referred to a cardiologist. I was, you know, at my my doctor saying I was having extreme um, premenstrual rage. And all of none of this was none of the dots were connected at this stage. And I'm sure that there's many of you listening to this that are exactly the same. And I think for, for me, the pivotal point was I um, I actually left my my 24-year-old career as the physio because for, for various reasons, but looking back now, 
that was in my opinion I just wasn't I just didn't have the rational I was tired all the time I couldn't concentrate on work I was just really struggling to cope with the demands of the job and then something happened and I just I guess sort of exploded a bit and I thought I just can't do this anymore and I think that sort of sent me into maybe again a little bit of a downward spiral and I think we're so conditioned to think that everything is a mindset block it's like oh it's your mindset you know it's it's this Mm. it's this and I started to I don't think it is I think there's actually something really physically going on here I thought I have no motivation yeah constantly absolutely exhausted yeah and again I could have easily attributed that to the fact that I had left work but I I knew it was more than that you know what can I just jump in here it's like yeah hearing all of this I just feel like uh we have we're actually living parallel lives and you know you've been in physio and I've been in you know the fitness industry and a lot of those you know we are motivated people that know about the body and yet we didn't know about perimenopause it just that yep. blows your mind and you're going through it and yes. all, the, all the things all the symptoms are coming up and you walk away and I kind of have also walked away from that life um but went through a lot of really kind of negativity in the mindset and yet having had an incredible career and thinking this is the best thing ever and then going into a bit of a downward spiral and thinking I can't do this anymore and I need to get out of here and this is not good for me uh, that mind stuff was really kind of insidious, I would say, you know? Yeah, but I think but I think that's the thing though, isn't it, Tracy? Is you you think it's all mindset. You yeah. think it's it's to do with your mindset. Like to me, until it actually reached that breaking point, it never occurred to me that it was anything more than that. I thought, you know, it's stress, it's just the pressure, it's just this, it's just that. It's, and you, it didn't even, even when I walked away from work, it still didn't occur to me that that's what was, that was possibly what was going on. And it's like, I think this is a thing that really blows my mind, as you said, as, as, as professional people and as women, none of us are ever, ever taught or educated what to expect, what to look out for. And I think this is what you you know I speak to so many women who struggle for such a long period of time that it that has to change because you know when you look at the statistics of people in their perimenopausal years the number of women who walk away from work the number of relationships that break down you know the even things as as high as like suicide rate suicide is the highest yeah in this age bracket it is and you and looking back now I can absolutely see why because it's it's just something you it's really difficult to articulate how it actually takes hold of you I think the way that I describe it and the way that I speak to a lot of people that describe it it's like you're it's like you're not you it's like you're like a shadow of yourself it's just like someone has like sucked all the the joy Joy. and motivation and the 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 uniqueness of you out of you and you're just almost like it's almost like you're a zombie just like functioning from day to day to day and it's yeah. like that's just no way to exist at all is it yeah so you can imagine why people that feel that way just go is this all there is you know yeah. and then get to an end point where they go I can't do is this all there is anymore so that that's Absolutely. when you say you know we talked touched on the suicide thing and I think it is really touchy and but it's like just you know, we have to have that conversation is like, why 
are women not given the information and support to expect that these things could possibly come up for them you know um but, you know but we're, we're changing that direction now i think you know just you and me having a girlfriend conversation that that someone out there is going to listen to this and just go that's my story i need to get some help i need to talk to someone so that's what i'm hoping right yeah absolutely and i think i think this is where again i think we have a responsibility as as women in particular to look out for this in our friends and our family as well i mean i i feel blessed that I went through menopause well going through perimenopause at a much younger age very a lot of my friends are just starting to sort of go through it now as I've had you know x number of years of going through it and straight away now I'm chatting to my friends I'm asking them questions I'm like have you thought about this this is what you need to do and I think this is where the education piece is important because if it's not impacting you right at this point in time is impacting somebody in your life that is going through it, that is going through everything we've just talked about, that they're not being recognized, they're feeling really withdrawn. And I think even if you're someone maybe listening to this who who can't relate to the symptoms themselves, still take the time to find out about it because I said there will be someone in your life that is starting to go through these as well. In the Sexy Aging Fitness and Lifestyle app, I've just added a 30-day renew program that you can start at any time. You deserve to feel your best, and this program guides you with new workouts every week, curated for women in menopause. Yoga, mobility, agility, balance, core, and daily menopause management tips to help you understand this stage of life better. There's also a pelvic floor-focused Pilates program as an add-on. To be honest, this app is a full lifestyle library for your menopause years. There's loads of testimonies in my Instagram, so don't take my word for it. There's also a one-week free trial for the workouts in the app, and the link is in the show notes. And I've partnered with a few brands that I highly recommend, and I'm passing on my discounts, so those are in the show notes too. So Bex, um, yeah great story your menopause story and for women around the world it's going to be a different story there will be commonalities like you and I across different parts of the world having um geriatric pregnancies <laughs> that's what they call it well that, that I had soul at 42 and then um pretty much probably went into perimenopause not long after that but it took me a few years to figure it out I'd say I figured it out by the time I was 47, 48, but um, didn't really have the support in the country mm. that I was living in at the time to to consider things like HRT and what have you. Um, let's talk about your symptoms. So you, you mentioned a few of them, like, before, and you're on HRT now, right? Is that, what, is that right? Yeah, I am. Yeah, okay. I am on HRT. So okay. I think I got to the stage that I would have literally had anything to try and, to try and take okay. away the symptoms. So I had, um, yeah, so my, my symptoms, I'd, as I said, I mentioned, I'd, I'd had really bad heart palpitations. They they very much came came and went. Um, for me, it was the tiredness. Like the tiredness was horrific. And it's I've actually found the past couple of nights I've been getting some real, I call it extreme tiredness. And it's not just like, oh I'm just a little bit tired yeah it's literally 
you feel like you just have to stop in your tracks it's like someone's unplugged all your energy and literally you just have to go to sleep it's it's almost like the I don't know if you guys have the Duracell bunny in New Zealand but there's an advert in the UK (laughs) for Duracell batteries obviously you've got this bunny going and then it stops yeah and that that's what you feel like um I was falling asleep during the day at work at my computer like I could feel my you know you're you're doing that whole nodding head thing I'm thinking oh my god I hope someone isn't isn't looking at me because I'm literally falling asleep at my desk again none of my colleagues noticed or if they did they didn't say anything to me excuse me Bex you're actually falling asleep at your computer are you okay yeah um the brain fog um for me was was horrific like you literally can't remember anything yeah. like yeah. memory motivation was really low as well like you yeah. just I would just get to the weekend and just be exhausted which again was really really unlike me I'm a busy person I like to be busy you know I like to be doing things and I just couldn't be bothered with yeah. anything yeah. again it's just like almost like the joy is being taken um being taken out yeah um, the, the motivation I, thing for me was the catalyst to getting HRT to be honest because I've been yeah. a highly motivated person I motivate other people but when I had multiple days of could not be asked couldn't be yes. asked to put, put pen to paper to finish the thing to go out to not hang out with friends to do other workouts to go and enjoy the sunlight those the sort of like you know those things that you just naturally gravitate towards when you realize that you're not doing them anymore and you haven't got the motivation for it that is a yeah, real red absolutely. flag yeah absolutely and and just touching on what you said there tracy about not wanting to go out with friends I became very withdrawn in myself and I became very um, like socially anxious. Like if we were out with friends, I would feel really anxious about just being there and I would try and just sort of um, disappear into the corner. Like I wasn't active in the conversations. I didn't feel like I had the the energy or the brain power to actually engage in conversations with friends that I've known for a long, long time. And again, you know, that that in itself again is a, is a red flag. I just felt like I'd become really really introverted and I was I was trying to find any excuse that I could not to not to go out and I think for for me my transition when I was probably at the peak of my symptoms was during lockdown as well so Mm. you know we had a really really tough lockdown in the in the UK and again I think you you can you could have attributed a lot of how I was feeling to that as well you know it was yeah. the fact that we, we were locked in our houses at home you know, the kids were at school we were homeschooling the kids you were trying to juggle work with, with everything else and I think it was the anxiety that came with that of no one knowing what was going on and I think that that, that was again something that was very easy to attribute things to but I think I think for me that the I think the people always think of menopause as hot sweats and hot plushes mm. you know I, I was sweating at night time I was waking up and I was like drenched in sweat but I didn't have hot flushes if you yeah. like and yeah. I think and I think this is it I think it's the awareness isn't it that there's so many different symptoms like there's over 40 symptoms that you can get during perimenopause and there's no one particular journey that someone's going to have every yes you might have some similarities between people obviously we've mentioned quite a few similar similarities that we've had but even the degree of those can be different from person to person and I think for me I think it's it's when it's out of the ordinary for you so you know if you're normally like you were saying before you're normally a really motivated person all of a sudden you've lost that 
you know, it's, it's like, well, why, why, why am I suddenly feeling like this? And I think that's, that's what we have to do, right? We have to sort of just look at what isn't right for us and what feels different for us. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. While I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about everything that you're saying and what popped into my head so random is that someone should make the menopause game you know like there's so many symptoms and, <laughs> and we could see I love it. <laughs> it just went oh i need to um trademark that the menopause game um yeah so that that's it, it's pretty intense right it's a it's a bit of a ride um now you're a menopause support coach so can you tell me about that like what does that mean like how what is a menopause support coach yeah so um i actually sought um help from a menopause support coach when i was going through through my journey yeah and i think the the transition that i got with that i think what i would like to say to people is hrt is absolutely incredible hrt can be a real game changer but i think the biggest um i think the biggest thing with hrt is people think that it's going to wave a magic wand yeah, and that's yeah. going to fix everything everything yeah i don't <laughs> i don't think that i don't think a lot of people appreciate that you have to be proactive in what you're doing as well so yeah. um when i work with my menopause support coach she works works on three different pillars which is your lifestyle which is obviously your exercise, your weight bearing exercises, your resistance exercise, which I was starting to do already, focusing on increasing just general activity. So your daily step count. Um, she looked at the nutrition side of things. So obviously looking at upping your protein, protein upping yeah. your good fats, um, just being a lot more conscious of the, the nutrition that you're putting into your body. And again, I've always been very conscious of my nutrition, but in even looking at what the information that I was given, I wasn't having enough protein. I wasn't having enough fat. So it was, it was making those changes to my diet as well. And then she did the mindset pillar as well, which was very much focusing on your gratitude, your self-love, your self-care, you know, the things that bring you joy and um, journaling, meditation. So when I when I came to the end of my work with her, I think all of that holistic input had, had such a, a sort of a transformational impact on me. My coach, who I worked with, was actually starting to do her own accreditation. So she was actually coaching people to do what she did. And I just thought, I just thought, you know, what? I want to help more women. I think I've gone through this journey. All of this has happened to me for a reason. And it's to give me a voice to help all these other women in exactly the same position. So I went through a, um, a four month, um, I guess, training program where the coach that I had worked with passed all of her knowledge onto us so we did all about you know the hormones the endocrine system how the hormones work all the deficiencies mm -hmm. very much evidence-based looking at hrt looking at alternative therapies looking at all the mindset work the nutrition the lifestyle the exercise so it's it, it's just sort of giving you that foundation to then be able to to help help other women um because i think the I'm sure you'll agree with me with this. I feel that at the moment, menopause is very much a buzzword. And I think everyone's sort <laughs> of jumping. Yes, yeah. everyone is almost jumping on the bandwagon of this. And I think like anything, you have to be very, very careful when you're looking for someone for advice 
that that person isn't just, you know, pulling random information off the, the internet, that they're actually presenting evidence-based and research-based information to you. Yeah. And I think w- with with my physio background, obviously I've got a, I guess, a, a medical background. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know about, um, you know, like the body I know all these things I think it's just putting all of my knowledge that I've got along now with this um support coaching accreditation just to good use and making sure that women are getting the right information and they're being given the the right advice as to how to manage their symptoms as well yeah look I agree with you especially about finding the right people to 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 help you work it out because it is quite a minefield and yeah, I have the yeah. same story. You know, I have a physical education degree. I've been working in the fitness industry for 30 years. And, you know, I um, I actually set, I, I retrained as a menopause fitness specialist and developed an online course for women. Um, the same thing. It's like you want to know that yes. the information that you're getting is trustworthy and that the person that's delivering it, A, that they've probably been through it is a good thing. And B, that yes. they've spoken to the experts or re- retrained, reskilled. Yes. And the fact that we've both got that background around women's bodies and understanding women's bodies. I think, yeah. And then there's all the supplement companies that kind of come in and try to sell you shit. <laughs> you know yeah and, and like, I, I think this yeah. is this is the problem isn't it I mean even if we talk about um exercise in menopause obviously you're 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 an expert in this but I think even we you, I think what you do in your perimenopausal years is completely different to what yes. you do maybe when you were in your 20s and as you know it's, it's look, yeah yeah it's it's completely it's almost like just changing the narrative as to to doing the right things and I go to a um a gym where you know it's it's a PT gym you know, they're, they're really really good PTs but I wouldn't necessarily say that they don't know about menopause they don't know so yeah like, <laughs> no and I know that they're 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 males they're they're male PTs and again no disrespect to male PTs you know we, we, we've had talks that I would love to you know have some conversations with them and just educate them about about different things obviously we're, we're doing you know resistance training strength training and that they, they are very very in tune to asking how you're feeling and adapting things but I think even just from your point of view it's it's having that specialist knowledge of because we're such a unique bunch of individuals and there's so many factors that can can influence how you can perform in a gym you know and what types of exercise you should be doing and you know encouraging the um you know adding in the mobility stuff and you know the the yoga and the stretching rather than high impact you know jumping around like really stressing your stressing your body and sending your cortisol levels haywire and just really exacerbating all the symptoms and I think this is why we need more people like ourselves who are educated and have the knowledge and are giving the correct advice because again there's there's very few people I would say if you walked into a gym or with a PT who would know specifically about women in perimenopause or menopause. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, Bex. Um, I mean, I I do some consulting for a couple of gyms. Same thing, like um, I'm watching the clients come in, they're mid-40s and the young personal trainers have got no idea. But because they know me, the personal trainers, they're like, hey, 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 (laughs) I've picked up this client and she's in her 40s and I know 
that she's in menopause, but what do I need to do? Like, <laughs> so I'm just like this, 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 and this, do these things, start with that. But most importantly, understand that every day that she comes in, you might have to throw out that program. You know, you might have the foundations for what you want to work on, which is your strength training. Don't, don't go too hard on all the jumping. I mean, some of it's okay. A little bit of plyometrics is really good for your fast twitch muscle and building your muscle yeah. and keeping your testosterone levels there. But it's just, you know, like understanding that we're not going to go for a 20K run and all these things, you know, necessarily like a lot more focus on strength. But also understanding that when she comes into the gym, she's going to be feeling some kind of way, which is different every single day <laughs> you know <laughs> absolutely unless yeah. she's on hrt and that, and i think that's kind of where we want to segue now because um through the podcast when i first started the podcast six, i think about six months of it i wasn't on hrt and a lot of the conversations i was having with um some doctors and experts was around the was my personal education on menopause yes. was through the podcast and i did i was really lucky enough to interview um dr rebecca lewis who works with dr louise newson in the newson clinic and that was my first education on hrt and i've mentioned this a few times in the podcast mm -hmm. and it really got me thinking it's like i basically i came to the decision with I think I've got all the foundations of health sorted. Like, yeah. <laughs> great. Yeah, I think I've got that. And I still lack motivation, feel exhausted. My bones hurt, my joints hurt, my muscles are fatigued, and I can't remember stuff and I can't focus to do one thing for longer than five minutes. So I knew that a lot of that mental impact was really kind of yeah. shaking me, even though I was meditating and training properly yeah. and eating properly. And so I thought, you know what? For if for anything, for the listeners of the podcast, and maybe just for myself, I should try it. I'm just going to try it. What have I got to lose? And it was a game changer for me. So and since then, I've had to modify a few things even because it's not one fix. And it's, you know, from here no. on, you're going to feel amazing. And it's just constantly shifting and changing. What's your experience? Oh, and the other thing was, I found it really hard to get it here. As in, I couldn't get a GP to believe me that I would want to take same. it. Yeah. yeah, same. I, w I was exactly the same. So again, it's it, well, obviously I appreciate we've got completely different healthcare systems. In in the UK, um, if you're under 45, yeah. they, you, you, can, yeah. you can be prescribed HRT, but you they would generally try blood tests, first of all. The blood tests, as we know, were completely unreliable because your hormones change every single day. Yeah. So I'd had I'd had one set of blood tests somewhere along my journey. I can't even remember when it was, which came back as normal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I remember I spoke to my GP. It was two months before my 45th birthday. And I had no idea at this stage that there was this, this magic cut off at age 45. And my GP said to me, he says, right, he says, well, we'll get you booked in for some more blood tests. But the blood tests that I was needing to have done were between days one and five of my menstrual cycle. Now, I, I wasn't having regular menstrual cycles. Yeah. They were like yeah. maybe like every three or four months. I'm thinking, oh, my God, I've got two months to try and have a period, to try and get this blood test booked in. You know, my period came, which first of all was a miracle. And I was like, oh, it's come phoned up the GP practice and they had no appointments with the nurse. And I was like, this is literally my last chance to have this blood test and I cannot get an appointment. 
So yeah. I was just like, I ended up going to see someone privately. Yeah. Same situation here. So it's really challenging to get an appointment. Um, they demand yeah. that you have a blood test, which obviously proves nothing. Yeah. Uh, well, unless, yeah, I mean, for, for PMDD and a couple of PCOS, a few of those situations for younger women, it definitely helps to figure that out. But then I find that a lot of women here are flipping and going to see specialists at exorbitant cost, which just yes. blows my mind. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I feel very grateful that I was in the position that I was able to do that. But I agree I, that that shouldn't be the case, that women are having to turn to pride. We were the same. We were having our, our fertility problems. And again, I, 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 it's, it's a really difficult one, isn't it? And I yeah. think it's, as I said, for me, I'm very lucky that I could do that straight away when I went to see the private consultant. He was like, no, you're perimenopausal. He did blood tests, but were actually different ones to my GP. That The hormone levels were like virtually non-existent. And he started me on HRT. But again, I'm sure people will resonate with this. The cost of that was really, really expensive. So you've got the cost of the consultation. You've got the cost of the HRT prescription. Um, I live in Scotland, which is slightly different to the rest of the UK. It's our prescriptions are free. So if yeah. I was getting HRT from my doctor, I wouldn't have to pay anything for my HRT. Um, and I even found eventually I, I went to my own doctor and tried to get my HRT transitioned from the private prescription through my doctor. And even that was a challenge. It was like, well, you know, it shouldn't have been a challenge, but it was, well, you know, she was almost being very dismissive and you know what does this doctor know and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and and I was actually I'd, I'd been prescribed testosterone from the private consultant and yeah. in the UK you you they don't prescribe um testosterone under the NHS because it's not licensed for yeah. use in females so you yeah. can get it but it's off an off license prescription it's so the even same though I'd been pres- yeah. yeah, even though I'd had been prescribed testosterone by a consultant, she was still very, very reluctant to give it to me. And I just had to push and push and push until she reluctantly agreed to 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 give it to me. And but this is this is for someone again who who's been to see someone privately, outlaid all that cost and still had a challenge trying to get HRT through the GP even though I have a letter describing yeah. everything and it's like you know what why yeah. why should this have to be so difficult it's so and I difficult think, I think yeah it is and it's like if you if you went into your doctor with like any other deficiency in hormones you would get given whatever it was you needed to to make that deficient to, to help improve that deficiency and it still blows my mind that we, we're deficient in estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, yet GPs don't think that it's it's acceptable to give us something to replenish those hormones when they have such a negative impact on our body and they have such a negative impact on our long-term health. Because I think this is this is one thing that we haven't touched on yet is mm. that these hormones, you know, if you're deficient in these hormones, it has a huge impact on your health long term that I think, yeah. you know, there, there, there's lots of connections and lots of research starting to come out now. And I think even if you're not thinking just of the short term, you have to think, think of the of long term health long-term, benefits. Yeah. 
yeah absolutely this is exactly why i got into this thing because i was thinking about oh i was going to turn 50 and how did i want the rest of my other 50 years mm -hmm. to be like and I, it always came down to health like how do you live mm -hmm. long and well and not be you know um not be able to move would be for me just i may as well just curl up and die you know so it just it did get me thinking about how do you deal with your health you know 50 plus but then of course i was in menopause and so that's re a real moment for you to double down and establish what does good health in midlife and beyond look like and you've got to get through the hurdles of, of your hormones dropping so i Absolutely. i don't really use the word deficiency so much beck i think um because i am really resigned to the fact that it is a normal life stage for women i think that mm -hmm. both you and i have obviously benefited from hrt i have some really good friends um and fitness people that uh, have tried HRT and it just didn't work out for them. They had really negative side effects. But I think what's really cool for them, because they are, you know, so invested in their personal health, they can manage quite a lot of their symptoms naturally, but they have to work a lot harder than I do. <laughs> I find yeah. like they have to be like pristine. Um, and that's and that's cool. It can be done. It can be done naturally. I just want to yeah say I don't think that you would disappear, disagree with that either but I think the fact that we have access to something that's going to support us to manage our life on a day-to-day -day basis to have the joy that that shouldn't I don't think that needs to disappear you know like we've got the rest of our lives to we want to absolutely. have joy you know absolutely yeah. and, I, and I think I think this is why so I think this is why there's such a to be around menopause I think it's it's almost seen as this thing that you know in our parents generation it just like wasn't talked about and it was yeah. it was almost just accepted that you get to a certain age and you just like part of you would just sort of shrivel up and <laughs> and you'd just be this this like former person of yourself for the rest of your life and I think this is why there's there's still so much to do about it. I think this is why people are still really scared of it and I think this is where we're almost coming into this like um this rebirth generation of menopause where we've got people like Louise, you know, Dr. Louise Newsom, and we've got doctors who are being really open and getting all that information out there. There's people like yourself and, and myself who are, are really showing, well, actually, no, your life isn't over. It's not the end of a chapter. It's an opportunity to really look at where you're at, look at your health, look at your nutrition, look at your exercise and almost redesign your life for this this second half of your life if you like it's yeah it's, it's rebirthing the you that maybe yes in your 20s or 30s where we all think we're completely invincible you haven't thought about you know your nutrition you haven't thought about exercise or you haven't thought about your um your mental resilience that this has given you that opportunity almost just to sort of overhaul all of that yeah. isn't it and, and yeah. just look at at giving yourself that longevity and giving yourself that opportunity to thrive and you know feel healthy and you know fuel your body with the right nutrition and that that's how I try and portray things is that it's it's really an opportunity just to step into your healthiest version of you um, and obviously you've got all the benefits then that, that come with that and it's not something to be fearful of it's actually you're seeing it as an opportunity just to revisit and reevaluate things. Yeah. And also to, to pay attention to yourself for a period of time, because, you know, maybe the kids are a bit older now, so they're, they're a bit more independent. Um, so you do there. I mean, there's still lots of 
sam you know you're in a sandwich where you've got say older parents or stressful careers mm -hmm. younger children or teenagers so there's still those stresses but there is there is an opportunity i believe that you have to go if i'm going to manage all of this i really need to spend some time on myself menopause does that to you it basically stops you in your tracks and it says i'm here girl and i'm here for like four to ten years so you <laughs> so let's figure it out and um you know connect with great people like yourself and you know we're deeply passionate about helping women figure it out and um Absolutely. and i think it's been a game changer for us in that way like i i feel i i go oh i'm so blessed by this moment because it has changed my life um there you know there was so much negativity around it and fear and all the all the mm -hmm. pieces that came with that but now i go oh this is what i'm supposed to be doing yeah, you know definitely this is, uh, just chat calling up girlfriends in the uk and in scotland and having a chat i mean that's what i'm doing that is absolutely yeah. freaking awesome it's so awesome yeah, yeah absolutely and i think it's I think just as you said, I think there, I think as, as women and I think as mums, we're so used to putting ourselves last of things and we're always like, you know, the, the last to get things, the last to have our time, you know, we, we pour all of our energy and our time into our kids and into work and into so many other things that just as you said, it's really that opportunity that it, it just stops you in your track and it, it makes you prioritize you and it makes you prioritize your health and your joy and your fitness that all of that is it, it and the, the way that I look at it is once you've done that you're actually giving everyone in your life the best version of you anyway you know you're you're, you're taking away this sort of depleted like shadow of yourself and you're giving back that that you that your family love and the, the you that's motivated you know the you that's happy the you that's energized the you that feels healthy rather than that really undershadowed version of you that they've maybe become accustomed to over the past few years yeah oh Beck, such a good chat with you i've just realized that we've both got scottish surnames did you notice that you're McCulloch yes. and I'm Minoch. So my dad is, yeah. my dad's Scottish. So <laughs> there you oh, go. Fab. Yeah. Another, um, yeah. another common thing there. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I still apparently can't pronounce my surname correctly. I still can't say it in the, in the Scottish way, despite having had it for 17 years. <laughs> yeah. Try now. How, how should we say it? McCulloch, right? It's, it's McCulloch. It's McCulloch. Like a, <laughs> <at the end. laughs> that's it. That's it. Hey, Bex. Um, really appreciate you and i look forward to meeting you in real life for a coffee in real life um somewhere yeah, around the world amazing. either this side yeah. or your side or somewhere in the middle who yeah, knows right? they're in the middle <laughs> yeah as i sign off before christmas i want to thank you the listener for tuning in to the sexy aging podcast when I started this podcast, I was feeling so anxious, but excited at the same time. Would the audio load properly? Would anyone bother to listen? Would I be able to keep going? So thank you for tuning in, commenting, sharing, reviewing, and using this content to advocate for an amazing midlife. Aroha nui and a Merry Christmas.